What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Mind Your Marketing podcast, where we sit down with CMOs and VPs of marketing from around the world. Today, I am sitting with Jen Steele from Reprise. We talk about product-led growth and message unification across different departments. This was a lot of fun, especially if you are in a product-led growth company. I think you're going to enjoy this. But before we get into it, this show is put on by Cave. We are an agency that is social media first. We're based out of Los Angeles. So if you need help with anything social, paid ads, organic content, strategy, whatever it may be, head over to cavesocial.com. We'd love to help you out. Okay, sit back. Enjoy this episode. Oh, what's going on, my marketing people? Welcome to another episode of the show. Today, sitting with me is Jen Steele. She joins me from Reprise, where she is the VP of marketing. Jen, how you doing? I am doing great in rainy Seattle. How about you? I am doing awesome. We had a great uh, pre-show talk. I'm excited to, you know, I was excited to hit record and just kind of get this conversation going. I want to talk to you about message unification, product-led growth companies, all of that. But before we get into that, I want to hear your story. Share that with the audience. You know, were you an accidental marketer? Was it always the plan to get into marketing? Walk me through your journey to date, and then we'll pop into some of the questions. Well, so marketing's my second career. So definitely not the original plan. The original plan was that I was getting a BS in biology from MIT. I was going to go on, get a PhD, become a college professor and win a Nobel Prize someday. That is not actually how that worked, in case you were wondering. Instead, I became an IT director at Boston Law Firms, got into social media and blogging, picked up an MBA along the way, burned out of that career entirely, which is super fun, picked up my phone and said, back when you would actually pick up a phone, just in case you were wondering, because I think it was 2009. And I picked up my phone, I called my career services office, said, I'm burned out no more law firms, maybe no more IT. I'm really getting into social media and blogging. And the woman on the other end of the phone lost her mind and said, oh my gosh, you have to talk to this company. No one's ever heard of them, but they're called HubSpot and they're doing some really exciting things. <laughs> so I wrote a ridiculous cover letter. I interviewed, I think I mostly got the job because I had an MBA and I had graduated from MIT. And of course, HubSpot was started by a bunch of Sloan MBAs. And they made me an inbound marketing consultant because that's exactly what you do with somebody who has been running technology departments at law firms. You have them teach hundreds of marketers how to do inbound marketing, right? And so that basically started my marketing career. A couple of years later, I ended up at Amazon. That was Amazon for all the Amazon reasons. Did some product there, did some marketing there, and then started a kind of rough and bumpy startup journey that led to CMO roles and CRO roles and joining Reprise when we were Series A and, you know, having fun riding the rocket ship here. I love it. And that's uh, definitely, you've seen all stages when you yeah. think about it. And I think about... HubSpot back in the day, which I will classify for the listener as for me back in the day, HubSpot is like 2012, right? I was gone. I was at Amazon by then. Okay. That's when I, I first discovered early. them and I was like, this is crazy. They're giving away all this education for free. <laughs> this yep. is, this you is can wild. still find posts that I wrote on the HubSpot Amazing. blog. I That's mean, great. back in 2009 through 2011 when I was there. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And now you've gone through all those journeys in, or those places and now you're at Reprise. Now give the listeners, now let's set the foundation here. What does Reprise do? And I guess like, what's the 
thing that you're taking on there. And then we can jump into kind of how you're marketing, maybe the problems that you're facing or challenges that are ahead within, you know, your role now that y'all are tackling from the marketing side of things. Sure, sure. So officially, Reprise empowers sales and marketing teams to be able to sell their product with their products easily. Unofficially, basically, we pull the front end of your product off, we clone it, we let you edit the shit out of it, and then you can do so many things with it. And now before I was a CMO, I was a product marketing executive, and I'm like, where was this? Where was Reprise in 2018? I needed Reprise in 2018 to help me launch a product and to help me train sales on the product and to have a stable environment at a conference so I didn't want to kill somebody. Um, <laughs> Namely, at the time, I think it was Azure because it was just being dog slow with the Moscone Center <laughs> Wi-Fi. But fundamentally, it allows you to pretend you're in product for a moment, create the most amazing version of your product, throw it on a website or give it to your sales team to demo. Amazing. And when we look at that now, has that been, I guess what I always want to dive into whenever I am talking with any B2B marketing, anyone who has to equip the sales team, right? And we talked a little bit before this, but message unification from not only what you put outwardly to the website, but from what you do in the marketing materials elsewhere to what the sales team is saying to what any customer service account manager is saying, is there any way, because that's where it starts to get caught, like it can start to go all over the place. <laughs> You're right. This person and you got your, buyer and you got your user and you got the this and you got the that and you got this person talking and this person yep. talking and you got these people over here. And meanwhile, your website messaging has to work for everybody or else it works for nobody. And then, yeah. Oh, that stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when you're in that world and you know, you're, you're there saying, okay, I have to bring this all together, right? Yeah. Where do you start? Where does it start when it comes to message unification or making sure that we're saying the you know, that we're all stepping in the same direction and singing, you know, singing the right lyrics, let's say. In, yes, the right lyrics, but in harmony, right? We don't always mm -hmm. want to sing, all sing the same part. Uh, as a former acapella singer, I, I think I like that, that metaphor that you're using there. I always start with the customer. I know everybody says that. My favorite thing to do is to, we use chorus, chorus, gong, otter, whatever you use, basically sit down, spend afternoons doing whatever, you playing stupid computer games or whatever, and listening to demos. And you're not listening to your sales team, you're listening to the customer. Because your question is, how does your customer put your problem? How does the customer think about the problem? Because fundamentally, sales and marketing are psychological manipulation, right? We're trying to get in the brains of our customer in order to eventually make them, if they need it, buy the software. If they don't need it and you're making them buy the software, then you've got churn and your investors hate that. But if they need it, you want them to buy it. And so... Sometimes you're early enough into the market like reprises that you have to convince them that you don't have to build this anymore. It's okay, right? We exist. And so, but at the same time, you still want to say, how are they describing their problem? How is, for example, your product marketer saying, oh, I just need to figure out a better way to launch this or to train my sales team or to tell my product story? What is demand saying? Are they, are they even thinking about using their product to improve conversion rates? Is your sales team swearing about unstable demos? Is your sales engineering team swearing about having to go on first call demos and wasting their time, right? So for me, and those, of course, are the four personas that we market to, which is why those, for some reason, were the examples that came off the top of my head. But how do they talk about it? Because the sales engineer is going to talk very differently than the demand gen person, going to talk differently than the VP of sales, and then the product marketer, right? And then given that, and sometimes you only have one persona, right? God bless you. You have it easy. <laughs> but <laughs> But given that, so they describe their problem this way. So how do we then talk about our solution in their words, right? Me as a former product marketer, I talk about reprise 
internally, like this would have saved my life launching a product when dev was late because I could have taken the screen grabs from the dev box, edited them and rolled them immediately, right? I would have had a demoable product even though my platform was a little unstable. And you think about that when you're in, it's so massive, right? And that communication and, and really giving people, like I always think about marketing, it's our job to give the rest of the org like the tools to succeed from a messaging standpoint. And if the tool is broken, the, the platform yeah. isn't working properly. Okay, how do we dress up that tool, make it look well enough? And how do so we put lipstick on our pig over here? Exactly. <laughs> and, and actually get that demo to go through yeah. because I will tell you, I've been in numerous demos, flown places to do demos, and I'm the guy, hey, I'm going to demo the product and blah, blah, blah. And we get their day of and database isn't loading or whatever <laughs> is happening. And you're sitting there and it is the most stressful, like presenting is stressful, number one. Presenting right. when a product breaks. Oh man, that is not fun. Right. <laughs> so, right. And now you talked about what about my software speaks to a salesperson who's doing field demos or a field marketer doing field demos, right? So it's exactly that. And you and I just put it in different words. The thing is, though, that marketing speaks differently than sales and sales speaks differently than customer success. And in fact, we all speak to different people. Marketing, we speak to, we we're trying to speak to the buyer, but honestly, we're speaking to whoever the hell is going to listen to us. Sales is really trying to speak to the buyer. Customer success is speaking to the user. And that's not necessarily the same as the buyer. So how do you deal with that? So for me, it comes down to bullet points. I don't want to give sales the exact words to say. I want them to understand and internalize when I'm talking to you as the field marketer, right? Who, or the, as the person who has plugged it in the demo doesn't work. I want to use the words to say, and you're never going to have to do that again. And here's why, right? If I'm talking to me as the former product marketer, then I want to say, and you'll have your demo ready two weeks before launch, even if all you had was one dev box that worked one time, right? Right. Two different things, same product same basic solution, but I want the bullet point to be there. And then I want my sales guy who's like, oh, chubby and uses all the slang to put him in his slang. And I want my copywriter who uses the more formal language to put those bullet points into our official marketing tone, right? But that's how I unify the messaging because people don't like scripts. Oh, I've said, yeah, and I'm with you. And I think I say this all the time, anyone who's presenting, and listener, I'm going to say this to listener for a second. If you're presenting, do not script. Have a very have ideas you want to talk on. Maybe a flashcard or a slide with one word that's like a prompt for you to know to tell a certain story or to do whatever. Because unless you're Meryl Streep, you should not be reading the script. And it comes across as inauthentic. I just and if you miss a word or miss a line, you're going to freak out. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's I, some I people who can do it. My father-in-law is actually a retired pastor who memorized his sermons and I still, and he's told me how he does it. And there's this weird two page system and all this stuff. God, God bless him, I guess, literally in this case, but there's no way, right? There's no possible way. Now, granted, I was actually a competitive public speaker who did extemporaneous speaking. And so the one word on a card was how I learned to speak. So I'm completely aligned with you, but there are people who can script, but it's probably not your sales team. Right. Exactly. And that's about, I think too, if we look at just team member, like enabling their strengths, if they were brought into sales, they're probably a talker, right? And, and, and <laughs> a we would too hope. much sometimes. Yeah, we would hope. Now, how, I guess, you know, you're selling, hey, you can get this demo of this product and it'll work. Now, when you were demoing Reprise back in the day, when it was, how did like, how did the first, were you there when it was initially being 
concepted? Like, like how did you, did it have to get to a pretty usable standard, you know, before you could demo that? I mean, we are a demo creation platform. So, but the hilarious thing is the hardest demo to create is one of our own software because it's like inception. Right. right? You, you shot that this, you do that. It, it's really tough. And so I, you know, it, it's really funny. Our customers have actually done a lot of the, the stuff, right? Putting on the website tours, et cetera, better than we have, we can, or we have, because it's easier for them to do because they're not in the middle of inception. I've joined Series A. So we actually right. already had product market fit. And that was very intentional on my part. Like I had been the CMO of a much larger company and the CRO of a much smaller company, and I really wanted product market fit. And so I was very intentional about hitting reprise at that point or hitting any company at that point happened to be reprise. So the funny thing is though, we have sold product-led growth so much that it turns out that as I listen to sales calls, especially in the last you know several months or so, our sales team, you've always heard the sales sell the sizzle, not the snake. Right. You, you got to make sure that people know that it's tasty and it's filling and it's satisfying and all these things and that it's a steak doesn't matter. Well, we're, of course, going like you should lead with your product. You should lead with our, your product. And unfortunately, our sales team was, may have listened a little too well because they've been selling the steak and forgetting the sizzle. <laughs> so you still need some sizzle with the steak or else you've just got a lump of meat and people are like, that's nice. What do I do with it? Well, okay. You have to take a knife and fork and you have to cut it. And right. Or why do I want it? Well, you're hungry. Doesn't it sound lovely? And you can have the nice wine with it. And so kind of pulling them back into this middle ground where, yeah, obviously you're buying a product and yeah, we're talking about product led growth. So we're talking about using your product to sell your product and we're using our product to sell our product, but we still have to appeal to you on why. Like, yeah. Totally. And that's something that we forget there, right? Is human beings want to confirm their own bias. So when mm. we look at the consumer, I want to know that I chose the right product for sizzle reason one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It's the large reason like, from psychologist standpoint, you shouldn't trust testimonials because those people have already purchased. It's just confirmation bias to the nth degree, right? And you should actually right. go talk to someone who's in consideration phase. They're going to have a more objective view about what's better. Right. And I think that that kind of ties into this on like, oh, I want from this, you know, the steak and the sizzle example, I also want to be in the nice restaurant. I also want to have mm. people around me. I also want to be like, look, I made the decision to go to restaurant B. And right. all of this is going to is going to go into where it's not just me, you know, getting the product and just start to use it out of the box and go for it. I want to feel like I made the right choice for reasons, you know, one through a hundred or whatever right. that may be. Right. You're using your product to sell your product. You're not. And but you still need to tell a story. <laughs> People mm -hmm. like just because people don't want to pick up the phone and talk to sales anymore doesn't mean that we have suddenly become mindless automatons that only want to click around on a website. We still want to hear a story, right? We still want to fall in love. We still want damn good reasons to tell our boss as to why the hell we want to buy this product, right? And so if you become too blinded in the like product, 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 feature, 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 you're dropping the ball a bit. Yeah. And that's the thing I think we're marketers, we have to you know, sell the product, but then also what can it do for that customer? How can it make their life better? How can they go to their boss and say, look at this thing I got that now the efficiency of our whole org and we don't have people staying till Friday night till 8 p.m. anymore because we're more efficient with one, two, three and, and mm -hmm. looking at those things that are really past the product, right? I think that's so, so important. Jen, before I let you go, I want you to let us know, one, where we can connect with you online, and two, learn more about Reprise. 
Sure. As far as connecting with me online, I am pretty much Jen Steele everywhere. J-E-N-N-S-T-E-E-L-E. On LinkedIn, on Instagram, on Twitter. Those are kind of my primary platforms. And then Reprise right now is getreprise.com. But if you're listening to this probably after May 1st or so, we will be reprise.com, give or take, because we finally found the person who owned the domain. (laughs) (laughs) And listeners, any listener who's been through that challenge knows how that can be. Try to figure that out and get domain rights. Just Uh, finding him was fascinating, but that's either here or there. Yep. Yeah. Amazing. Jen, thank you so much for coming on today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Take care. All right, everybody. That's it for this episode. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Shelton, and I'll catch you next time. Um.